the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. So this, uh, what we're going to talk about today, I had you watch the Two Dudes with Attitudes WWE Untold that's now part of the Peacock uh, family. It was a WWE Network original. Now it's on Peacock. Uh, This series kind of digging into some deeper stuff. This is really my first time checking it out. So I'll be quite honest with you. I'm not going to say that I've watched 10,000 episodes of it or how many there are. This was the first one. But what I do like is I call this like a deep cut. This is something that you wouldn't necessarily think garners a WWE produced uh, documentary. But thus the two dudes with attitude, Shawn Michaels and Diesel, who I call two of the five players, the marquee players of that era. I say it's Brett. Uh, Razor, uh, Undertaker, Sean, Diesel. Those are the top five. Those are your go-to. Uh, but these two told the whole story, top to bottom. The one we know about, Shawn Michaels discovering uh, Vinny Vegas on WCW Saturday night through the Hall of Fame induction of Kevin Nash. And in between, uh, before we talk about some of the meat and potatoes, what did you think of this uh, WWE Untold? I, I can never get enough of these inside stories and documentaries. Like I've said before, like I was a big shoot interview mark. You know, I was a big kayfabe commentaries mark. I would watch timelines and 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 you know um, all their stuff. I think they they did great stuff. So when WWE started doing these deep dives, uh, even back on the WWE twenty four, what was it twenty four twenty four seven? Oh my gosh, the best. When they used to do the Legends roundtables, I loved. I was always waiting for those. So I, I love the inside stories. Plus, you have to uh, add in the fact that Kevin Nash is like a national treasure when it comes <laughs> to the story. Like, you know, I don't like to be, you know, well, maybe I do like to be morbid, but I don't want to be morbid. But like, you know, when we lose Nash, that's going to be a big loss because he isn't afraid to tell, you know, great stories from the 90s, all this. He seems like a he's a very funny guy. You know, you're going to get your money's worth when he's on a documentary or a, or a Q&A or whatever. Oh yeah, so absolutely. He uh it was great to see him doing his thing and telling stories. Sean, I uh as a Brett guy, I've never been a gigantic Sean guy. So I don't, you know, hate him or whatever. He was a tremendous performer. Uh and his stories are he's an okay storyteller. You never know with Sean if he's really telling the truth or if he's misremembering or if he's not remembering on purpose. You know, there's some of that going on there, but uh overall I liked it. And again, because it was a time period I wasn't too familiar with, you know, I'm seeing new things. I'm learning new things. So interesting. I, I give so, it a thumbs up. So, what, so point out something that you really didn't know or weren't familiar with that, that stuck out to you. Um, I, not really anything as far as the stories, just some of the footage, I guess. Uh, some of the footage of Nash after he wins the belt going back. That was very, yes, very cool. For some reason, Bundy's there. And I mean, <laughs> I know they're not. It wasn't like a kayfabe type thing but no. seeing, i'm like shouldn't he be going to the babyface locker room what the hell is king kong bunny doing there yeah uh just some of the footage i hadn't seen but a lot of the stories or whatever i kind of knew because i've you know read sean's books and seen a million nash interviews so i kind of know the stuff but seeing some of the footage was really cool and uh 
I, 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 I don't know if they did. Maybe I missed it. I like the fact that uh, Kevin isn't afraid to point out, like, when uh, Michaels took that weird power bomb at WrestleMania 11 where he like, landed on his feet. Yeah. He's alluded to, like, I know he did that to make me look bad, but we're still boys. You know, I don't know if he said that on this, but I always thought that was amusing. He's he, like, he knows Sean kind of wanted to outshine him. But fuck it, we're 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 buddies, so who really cares? You know, that's always been the way he's he's taken it. So, a- anything with these two guys or Eric Nash and Hall or Nash and Waltman, you know, the key the key uh, guy being Nash there, it's always going to be entertaining and informative. So, I thought the click stuff was very downplayed in this, and it really shouldn't have been. I mean, they they you know obviously reference it. They show the curtain call. I hated the talking heads, and I know that's such a small nuance to the whole story, but. No offense. Give me Vince. <laughs> Give me yeah. somebody backstage. I don't need some, you know, and I don't know the guy. I don't know if you ever know who the, the historian was. I don't need the Mark historian who's basically like our age <laughs> that wasn't there regurgitating stories that he's heard on other stuff. I don't need him being one of the main talking heads when I could be hearing it from Vince being like, these guys are pains in the ass. So you get a Michael Hayes on there being like, nobody yeah. wanted to talk to them. And, and I would have rather have seen that or just stick to, Shawn Michaels and Nash giving their end of the story. And then obviously uh, Pritchard was great that they, they put him in there, but I don't need the, the, the guy who had nothing to do with it as a main player and going to him for pivotal spots and being like, why is he explaining this? Yeah. I mean, it could have been worse. She could have had Bubba, the, Bubba, the love sponge on there or <laughs> Rosenberg or this, uh, so Dan Soder. And I don't, I don't know any of those guys. So, uh, Rosenberg could be the greatest guy in the world. And so could Soder, but I, I, really had a problem with that savage documentary again it, that's going it's off universal. Track. it's universal because I, I guess they do that more just to get uh, maybe the outside listener or a viewer that's ch- just going by and seeing somebody else talk about it rather than seeing you know the dumb wrestler or some you know wrestling personality they might not be aware of i don't know how many people will be aware of some of the talking heads <laughs> but still i mean it was in the piper documentary too and i'm sitting there going like i Who is don't, this? yeah, yeah. i I want to hear from the family, the people that were there, and the boss. That's who I want to hear from. Yeah, I mean, like I said, taking a right turn. On this Savage documentary, you only see Bischoff and Nash for a couple of – and I'm like, well, let me get some more of that. Yes. Where are these guys at? Because Hulk is Hulk. Again, he's his stories have been told so many times that even if they're glaringly untrue, he's told them so many times that they're not. They're not it, anymore. It happened. It happened to him. It did. You know? And uh, so Hulk's cool. I would have um, – the gorgeous George thing was, what are you going to do? That's There was no reason for I that. I was surprised that she was included. Uh, I'll just yeah. say it like that. I was actually shocked that they would put her in it. Well, include her, but let's let's tone it's – not, it's not a dark side of the ring. It's not a character assassination. Right. It's anything like that. Yeah, know? that was weird. That, that was but, very weird. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, the – the WWE Network, when they produce things like this, and if it's something you're not familiar with, like Eddie versus Ray or, uh, you know, Cactus versus Triple H or, you know, stuff like that, they they delve deep into something that's not WrestleMania 3 again or, you know, Austin uh, versus Brett again. When they tell these documentaries about different things that haven't been told to death, it's always great. So that's that's the reason I'm still subscribed, really, right, right. Stuff like this. Yeah, no, that's that's pretty. Uh, that I would kind of, if I didn't get it for free as part of my cable package, I'd be in mm. the same kind of department as you. But well, I do too. Holy shit! That's oh, right. there you go. See, that's the way you got to do it. <laughs> but uh, you know, yeah, you, the one thing you said before about Shawn Michaels maybe not remembering things. I guess if Bret Hart's sitting next to him, that's the only time he doesn't remember it because he was pretty. 
he seemed pretty sure of himself with a lot of the things he was kind of uh, explaining here. And I thought what they did do well was show the Kevin Nash progression from the master blaster to Oz to Vinny Vegas to diesel. So I thought that was actually really well done. Yeah. And I remember kind of spotting him early and I didn't know his history. Of course, I didn't know he was oh the bouncer at the cheetah and stuff. I just knew he was a big guy that I had seen in different incarnations. Like I knew Oz was Vinny Vegas and stuff like that. You know, I probably from, PWI or whatever. And I just thought he was funny. And I thought he, you know, he's a big guy. It's 1992, 93, you know, maybe if properly, uh, you know, had to, had the right character, he would have done, he would have done well. And that's what we saw. He came in and silent bodyguard, just kicking ass. And, you know, there could be some lessons learned from the portrayal of diesel and how that whole thing went, you know, how to portray someone as a kick-ass bodyguard, progress them into, into a dominant right. baby face. Right. But uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun seeing his. Uh, you know, you gotta wonder how he didn't quit it those first two years in with with Oz and the Master Blasters and Vinny Vegas was cool. If you look back at if you watch old WCW, Vinny Vegas was eventually associated with DDP. Right, made sense. Diamond Stud and even Raven and Scotty uh, Scotty Flamingo. So that's kind of like a look into the future for those guys. Very weird that those uh, four guys would be such a huge part of WCW and at the end of the decade, whereas at the beginning of it they were, I would say, in the uh, the outhouse rather than the penthouse. <laughs> yeah, they all had to they all had to leave and come back. I don't know how many people you know realize it, but DDP was actually released uh, at one point. I think it was ninety three ish, maybe, or I'm not sure, but he left and uh, went with Jake to Mexico and all this and. He was rehabbing his shoulder, so when he came back, he was in better shape and blah, blah, blah. So looked like a different guy. Yeah. He looked completely different. And he learned all these new moves, and it was, you know, whatever. But, yeah, they all had to leave and come back, you know, go learn a new hold and come back, like uh, JR says. Yeah, interesting. They did not focus on – I don't know if you remember this because, you know, you tapped out, but they – Bruce talked about him doing the hand thing on the Heartbreak Hotel, and he was constantly doing this with his hands. It's audio, so people can't see me doing this. But – the punch was the original heater to the diesel character. It wasn't the jackknife. The jackknife kind of got there as he did his matches, but the punch was actually the whole point is that he was the insurance policy and he knocked out Marty Jannetty with a punch. He knocked out whomever else with a punch. And that I kind of felt was a missed thing, but maybe that's a little, that's an itty bitty detail, but they pointed out the, the, this, how about the heartbreak hotel? Did you, uh, did you catch that while you uh, would see things over time? No, I mean, looking back now, uh, I see it more. I don't think I uh, ever caught it live, you know, being I was I was kind of out of it. Uh, but I was recently reading about a great appearance from Piper on there. So I'm going to I'm going to seek that out. And uh, there's a few, not many, but there's a few that are good. Yeah, I was gonna, I'm, I'm sure because uh, Sean, uh, I could definitely see him carrying a segment like that, especially at that time. And uh, with these on the background, that makes it a lot of fun and everything. So, yeah, the, the thing I love about the the new generation is is when you find or hear about those hidden gems. And, you know, I think I'm among the group that, like I said, kind of looks down on it. But then you hear from someone, well, no, you got to watch Michael's Jarrett or you got to watch the click tag match. Oh, my God, it's so good. Or Steiners versus Owen and Brett, you know, stuff like that. So there's always stuff in there that came out on the tapes that was going on that you didn't really didn't really see or know about. So being that they were going towards a youth movement here, you got the younger generation coming in and trying to tear it up and get noticed, you know, one, two, three kids coming in, all this. So. I think that's my favorite part of the new generation in general is going back and seeing things that I know I didn't see, you know, Oh my God, it's the heavenly bodies. What the hell's going on here? You know, like, mm -hmm. like that. 
Go back and listen to my Coliseum video uh, hidden gems uh, episode where I point that out. And the Steiners versus Brett Nolan is uh, at the yeah. top of that list. So is the click tag team match from the action zone. That's another yeah. one. Yeah. Um, so the two dudes with attitudes we were talking about just before we got started here that you said that you remember from WCW, uh, the dudes with attitudes uh, being a, a short lived thing. But, you know, WWF putting the spin, the two dudes, I, I got to say, and even for the 90s, very lame and, and at the time where things we were needing things to be a little cooler by 95 when Shawn michaels is a baby face and diesel's the world champ these two guys couldn't be any less cool and they were so neutered <laughs> two just yeah. attitudes seemed like two dorks uh, yeah. and one that needs a fork like it was like literally it made no sense so uh you you're claiming the dudes with attitudes is a complete fabrication of an original idea of a vince mcmahon yeah, the dudes, I mean, obviously, that's, what else are you going to rhyme with dudes? I get it. But, uh, you know, the the dudes with attitudes was, I think it was Sting, Orndorff, and JYD, and maybe one maybe one other guy. And they were feuding with the Horsemen in, like, 90, you know. So I, I remember that for sure, and I thought it was lame in 90. So when it came back in 95 or whatever, it was like, whoa. You know, just kind of hearing about it or, you know, maybe I would grab a PWI here and there to see what was going on. Be like, oh, my God, they're reusing that name. Oh, and uh, I can just picture the shirts like really bright colors and all the, kinds of shit the going shirt on. Was a, <laughs> the shirt was one of those. If you remember the Razor Ramon shirt, the yellow oh. shirt. OK, so picture that in blue with the two of them on it in the front and on the back, like with the, I, I want to say like tire marks that says. Oh. Two dudes with attitudes. It's like, oh my god! Like that's that's something that's uh, that that that's Johnny podcasting level creation. Right? Yeah, two dudes it, with attitudes. <laughs> and it's so funny that they wanted to be colorful and have all these you know crazy looking shirt ideas and let's let's do this and that. And for every single company, all it took was like a black shirt with like white lettering, white letters. <laughs> and that's it. You know, NWO, Austin three sixteen, ECW. You know, whatever. Like black with white lettering or red and it's still to this day obviously we you know that's kind of the joke you go to a wrestling show is like black t-shirt central you know everybody's wearing it everyone's scruffy everyone's wearing a hat you know so i hate that i hate that scruffy in a hat i hate that stereotype about wrestling fans <laughs> that's what it is nothing wrong with scruffy in a hat well when you wear sunglasses on your head indoors you kind of look like a douchebag so uh you know i, I might fill a couple boxes on that uh, on that you gotta list. have you gotta have your look you gotta have your look <laughs> All right, so also two dudes with attitudes uh, kind of showed the progression. Diesel becomes a world champ. At one point, Shawn Michaels is the Intercontinental champ. <laughs> Another little side name that uh, Kevin Nash mentions, two, two, <laughs> two chaps with all the straps when they Yikes. win the tag belts. Here's the thing. They actually are never officially the tag champs, so I don't know why they were kind of hitting that home like they were because they weren't, it was, it, they were stripped right away. And it was not like it was this major thing. Wow. They have all four belts. That was a complete farce. It, they took them away the next night. It wasn't like the reigning and defending tag team champions. That was a complete miss on their part. Yeah. That, uh, isn't that where they pinned Owen and he wasn't the legal man. Yeah, And they took him away the next night. It wasn't even yeah. like a thought. Yeah. That's interesting. I think it was even in the freeze frames. You know, they do the old Monday Night Raw would give you the freeze frames of the yeah. pay-per-view that you missed. Mm -hmm. And they would point out it's the illegal man. And I think when the show started, they go, nope, they're stripped. And that was the end of it. Now, here's one gigantic glaring omission from this documentary. And it basically goes from the curtain call to Kevin Nash going into the Hall of Fame completely 
Oh no, excuse me. They mentioned O2 when Shawn Michaels uh, you know, was uh really really messed up and they go into that. But they completely miss the Good Friends Better Enemies, which could mm. be one of their best matches that they had together. And the build up, it started at Madison Square Garden with a chair shot that led to the Good Friends Better Enemies, which led to the curtain call. So they completely missed the, probably the most intense part of this association with the two of them. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess they're doing the best they can with their 48 minutes or whatever it was, you know, something it was like 53 minutes, something strange, I guess, in case it's televised. Um, just, just to step back a minute before we talk about that, I, I, I wanted to talk about how I noticed so many similarities between Hogan in 84 and Diesel in 94. Let's hear it. Like, it really hit home for me last night that they were absolutely trying to find the next Hulk Hogan, which isn't anything, it's not rocket science, but Diesel winning the belt in Madison Square Garden you know, off a transitional champion like the Sheik was the celebration, the, it just was like, wow, they wanted, they wanted diesel mania. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for some reason it wasn't the right time. He wasn't ready yet. Whatever. It's like he said, when he won the world title, he hadn't had a hundred matches or 200 matches. Is that what he said? Something like that. So, uh, people don't remember. He, he started in 90 was championing at the end of, uh, at the end of 94. So, that's uh that wasn't usual back then. That was that wasn't usual. So, but I did like the glaring um similarities between Hogan and the Diesel coronation was like, wow, they were really it was like a recreation almost. And uh you know, I don't know too much about his title reign, just the matches that he had and stuff. I just think you know, whoever puts Nash and Sid in there as the main event isn't thinking clearly. You know, and I like both yeah. guys, but but putting them together, you're not going to have it's not going to light the world on fire, you know, and then he had Mabel, you know, it's he just didn't kind of like Brett's title ring where it wasn't ideal. Diesel's title ring wasn't really ideal. And uh, I don't know why that is. If it was the challengers, if it was him, people were having trouble st- sticking behind him, whatever. But uh, yeah, it's it's too bad that he finally found like the best iteration of the Diesel character as he was on his way out the door, right? So he was, you know, I don't know if you, I guess he was a tweener, then a heel kind of thing, but it was like, uh, it was almost stone cold asking, I'm going to do what I want. And he was right. dropping curses and attacking everyone and not trusting anyone. So that would have, uh, if they would have had Diesel resign, that would have been a really cool, uh, character evolution to keep, to keep an eye on. So, but you know, didn't happen. How about this, uh, fantasy booker? Let's give that Diesel portrayal at the end from november 95 to when he leaves in may 96 let's give that guy the world title in january 94 are we not looking at the dark ages do you think a character like that could have brought people back as long as he had a black t-shirt with white lettering <laughs> he <laughs> did Diesel it, was silver. it was silver so oh, yeah. it, it was it was as close to white as it was going to get that diesel character and that's why again yeah i understand you're right 52 minutes is what the documentary was mm-hmm. i mean what are you going to do? They couldn't get everything in, but I kind of felt like the thing that they didn't have was like the attitude part. And that's what the diesel on the way out had, which kind of led to the attitude that Shawn Michaels would have on television a year later. So that part of it was kind of, I think uh, maybe uh, purposely left off. Maybe uh, two dudes with attitudes part do. Maybe we're going to go back and look at it again. Cause I mean, you know, nobody, and especially if you were tapped out and you were coming back in the summer of 96, Shawn Michaels was not a popular champion, especially no. in these prime markets of Philly, New Jersey, New York. That music hit 
He was booed out of the building. Yeah. I remember seeing that and I was just coming back and actually like I was hooked on WCW at the moment because it had every, oh my God, Savage and Jesus, IRS is here even. Oh my God, they got everybody. So flipping the Raw was kind of just like, ah, oh, it's commercial. Let's see what they're doing. And I'd be like, Who the, who's Leaf Cassidy? I don't understand what this is. What's going on here? So, yeah, I did too. But um, <laughs> so it took me a little while to, you know, and then once Brett came back, of course, there I am like, oh shit, I can watch more of this now. So, but I did notice that Michaels wasn't the most popular. And I was kind of thinking that as a fan, like, why are they sticking with this? This is weird. You know, the, the old Vince never would have done this. No. And uh, to see Sid get it uh, and that reaction is still so much fun to watch. His entrance with the fist bumping everyone on his way. It's it's unbelievable, the, that crowd reaction that Sid got. People want to dump on Sid, but man, was he popular in, in certain times in certain places. Uh, but yeah, Sean, again, again, with the with the – you know, challengers that aren't that great. I think he expected I'll win the belt. I'll feud with diesel. And they mentioned that on the, on the documentary. And uh, maybe I'll go back with razor again. And uh, that'll carry me through like my first nine months as champion. He didn't have any of that. Right. He had some strange feud with the bulldog, which was cursed by a, a power outage on a pay-per-view and all this. So he, uh, much like Brett, much like diesel, he had trouble getting out of the gates because who's he going to defend against? You know, right. it, it shows you something that, Mind Games 96 was Michaels against Mankind. Right. Mankind had been around like four months, five months, and all, and he's the main event challengers because they didn't have anyone. No. You know, they had already run through Vader. Sean didn't like it. You know, whatever. Sid was waiting in the wings. Brett's waiting in the wings. So it's an interesting time, 96, to watch for sure. Should have given it to my uh, my buddy Big Glenn. I would have loved to have seen uh, Fake Diesel take on uh, Shawn Michaels. Said, yeah. uh, uh, God, good friends, better enemies too. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. this time not the real guy. All right, so uh, let me ask you these before we wrap up. So even though you tapped out, you're back in mid '96. Did you go to Mind Games? It was in Philly. No, it was a little a little soon for me. I I my first show since I started watching again was a WCW house show in in the Spectrum in June. Uh, June or July of 97. I remember it specifically because um, X-Pac or Flair, one of them was super late. So one of the, I think it was Flair because X-Pac would come out to the ring, trash talk him. They play Flair's music. He never comes out. X-Pac goes to the back. They come out. They do it again, whatever. And the fact that Raven and Stevie Richards debuted. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, you know, in Philly. In off Philly. Off Damn. Off camera, yeah. And uh, what a reaction that got because I had just really started watching ECW, you know. And uh, WWE, I, I I went sometime in 97. I think that was the first show I went to since watching again. And I remember it because it was one of Pillman's last, uh, it was his last loop, you know. And there, oh, was some, okay. there was something funny going on there where it was very short. I think he was late, you know. So him and Goldust brought around for three minutes and there was a DQ. Like something funny was happening at that time too. They didn't want him out there too long. So, no, I missed mind games. I made up for it. I, I got to go to some pay-per-views years later. I didn't see any live in the 90s, unfortunately. Ooh. Uh, yeah. You also missed King of the Ring 95, which basically well. was, <laughs> that was the show. that I, I, If you were going to put something in the spotlight that shits on the new generation, it's King of the Ring 95 because of the Philly crowd chanting ECW, chanting bullshit, booing everybody and their mother. Uh, which they would do. It's Philly. They would boo their own mother. So that's yeah. uh, <laughs> that, that wouldn't be out of the norm. Uh, but yeah, Philly is a huge, huge uh, launching point for a lot of big moments 
in that time span. So congratulations, Philly. You did a, you did good for once. Way to be pains in the ass to everybody. <laughs> but when you look at when you look at King of the Ring '95, not only were they going to fart on having Mabel as because what's you know no disrespect to the dead, but what kind of matches are you going to get out of Mabel? And he he wasn't great on the stick, you know. It was just like, hey, he's big, push him, you know. Yeah. And um, you know the the crowd was advancing past that stage. Plus, when you look at the tournament, you know Michaels was in it. He's out. He's Undertaker's out. in it. He's out. And then yeah. you're left with Mabel and Savio Vega. And this is a pay per view. Like what? Yeah. Is, this could have been so much better. Why are they? Why are they doing this to us? You know. So. Yeah, Scott Hall's hurt. He's off on the side. Jeff Jarrett's not in it for whatever reason. He's off just to the side for the roadie. So yeah. you have the two side guys in place of the main guys. And then yeah, Michaels is out. Undertaker's out. And then you got the kiss my foot match. Not very good. Um, entertaining, but, you know, not something that's going to carry a show. And then you got a, a tag team match main event that's just like, really, maybe the kiss my foot match should have made evented this show. At least, at least Road Dog and uh, and Waltman came out and had a tremendous match. That was in the tournament that were done. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, wait, was that the t- – no, no, because uh, Road – no, Road Dog beats Bob Holly. Oh, to qualify on the pre-show to mm-hmm. face Savio Vega. So may, way to make the heel <laughs> way to make the heel not look like he's like overcoming the odds that he wins the pre-show match to get to the first match on the card. <laughs> yeah. I, I forget what what show that was, but uh look up Road Dog or the Roadie versus one two three kid. You'll find it. I think that's it's, an in your house, I want to say in some pay-per-view and they just uh they were a little bit ahead of their time there and people might say who, who Road Dog? Yes. Road Dog had a tremendous match with uh with Waltman. So there you go. All right. Well uh overall final thoughts on uh two dudes with attitudes. Like I said, Kevin Nash is an absolute treasure to the wrestling business as far as his sense of humor storytelling uh, recollections i trust a little bit more than some others maybe i shouldn't uh so well, anything anything involving nash i'm gonna watch he's like a cornet or uh well like a cornet i'm trying to think of someone else that's done 10 shoot dvds and doesn't doesn't get old you know that's really just nash and cornet so uh you know franchise yeah franchise yeah i liked his uh his uh breaking kayfabe was was phenomenal uh, so I liked it a lot. Uh, Sean, um, man, it's, uh, you hate to kick a guy when he's aging, but Sean has, he, that's a tough, he must have had a tough paper out, man. Oof. He's, but I, I appreciate the fact that he's confident enough to not care. Yeah. You know, he's got his, he's got his hat on. There's, you know, he's clearly balding. He's got the lipper in, you know, he don't give a fuck. So good for him. And, uh, and for God's sakes, could you have gotten someone other than Bruce to do this? Because he looks exhausted. Please <laughs> take it easy on Bruce Pritchard. You know, if you wanted a peek in the WWE writers' room, all you need to do is watch the the untold of two dudes with attitudes. Yeah, I mean, take a look at Bruce at like uh, any of the live shows with Conrad or or doing a radio show when he's plugging something to wrestle with back in the day. He's tan. He's got the buttons down a little bit. He's cooler in game. He's he's chilling and. Uh, now you, you take a look at him on these documentaries and he looks he looks very tired. <laughs> so I don't know what his what his plan is. Maybe he, he's like, maybe I can get the big seat one day, or maybe he's just around for the money and he'll be gone in a year. Who knows? Maybe can't get any worse with certain aspects. So I mean yeah. it remains to be seen. But all right, yeah, I completely agree. To do that too, it was well done. Yeah, you know, what can you say? Nash made it for me as well. So it, it is what it is. It was great, but the best part was getting a chance to get you on here because I've been after you for a while to come on 
Uh, and I was going to pencil you in for Doink the Clown, uh, mm -hmm. the evil Doink, which I plugged last week. So I did a whole show last week kind of plugging what I was going to be doing, forgetting that I was supposed to do this thing this week and never mentioned it once. So surprise, we have two dudes with attitudes today. Yeah. Isn't, that, isn't that beautiful? You just kind of go on the fly. You just just roll with it. I, I'm always happy to do this show because, like I said, there's there's things that I missed. So if there's an excuse to go back and watch something that I haven't seen or has completely slipped my uh, memory, then I'm I'm happy to do it and happy to discuss it. So I think this officially puts you in more two man power trip or TMPT Empire shows than me for the calendar year of 2021 <laughs> so far. So good for you. <laughs> Let's see. I did I did two man power trip. I did this. I did. John Paz versus is there something else that I'm not sure I, there's a lot I don't no, know I mean, it, it's you know there's a lot under the umbrella I mean this you should be very happy that I helped create this thing uh, all the way way back when to give you this additional platform to do your uh, your thing but I appreciate it man I'm glad we got a chance to do this because uh, usually I'm sitting in the side chair and I just get to pipe in every so often so I'm glad that I could uh, sit in the driver's seat and uh, and throw some things your way yeah, and I just want to say that uh, I'm I'm glad that we all got a chance to connect, you know, and uh, having having you and John bring some shows to Create Control Network is obviously a good thing. You're both professional. It it, it brings another takes it takes it to another level, you know, where uh, you know you guys are professionals and uh, the shows are good. They sound good. There's I don't you know I don't have to. Uh, there's no tweaking on my. I don't have to be embarrassed about. Oh God, do I want to have this under my name? So it's great having you guys on, and uh, you know, hopefully. As the year progresses, we all everything goes up because I mean it's been it's been three years almost. I think it's about three years since I started that thing. So uh, it's and it's it's gotten better and better every year. So hopefully we continue on that path. That's awesome, man. I remember you know as you were kind of coming up at the same time that we were, and seeing what you were doing and kind of how it was evolving. And the same thing with us, how we were evolving and getting into some other things. And it's just it's very cool. To see in six years later, you know, how we kind of the dust settles and those who put in the work and put in the efforts still kind of are in the middle of things and others that don't put in the work and just kind of fart their way through uh, existence. Yeah. Try to fall back down the chain. And that's uh, going to be a part of the movement is to eradicate a lot of that in the near future. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's and who knows what what the next six years are going to bring. Maybe uh, we'll be sitting in sitting around a round table uh, booking a WrestleMania backlash or but whatever the fuck it's called. <laughs> yeah. WrestleMania backlash. So I'm, I'm going to say I'd like to do uh, SummerSlam. I'm going to try to think of another uh, event off the top. Uh, SummerSlam, no mercy. You know, I'll just, yeah, just I'll go for one of those. I'll just combine another two events and uh, we'll leave it at that. All right. So now the uh, the golden time. It's yours. Plug whatever you want. The amazing shows you got on Creative Control and all the uh, the things you've got your hands in. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of baskets. So please, floor is yours. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at JFFeeny3RD. Uh, if you want to follow Keeping It 100 with Conan, where I'm the, the third seat and the uh, producer editor, uh, at K100Conan across Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram, possibly MySpace. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm on Keeping It 100 with Conan every Thursday. Uh, Keeping It 100 Rehash uh, comes out early in the week. It's a uh, best of show that I put together uh, of the you know skits and interviews and all this arguments that people may not have heard from years ago on that show. Uh, I'm also on The Raven Effect, which comes out every Monday with Raven and, and Rich Bikini, which is a lot of fun if you like completely ridiculous silliness. And, uh, you know, that's the show for you. It, it has no direction. It wants no direction. <laughs> it's just whatever. No problem with there. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, the Creative Control Network, you can follow at the CC Network one. Uh, Chad's on there with Francine, of course. Also, uh, Diamond Conversations. Uh, your baseball interview show is on there. John Paz is on with Kevin Sullivan. And his uh, recent, uh, you know, it's like you guys both got a little passion project on there. You with Diamond Conversations and John with the business of the business, which in the business is actually people are noticing it. They, yeah. they you know, that's for really uh, hardcore fans where people in the business wondering where things are going and networks and money and all that. It's, it's a pretty fascinating show. Um, I've had some shows since the beginning, an honorable mention with Shane Hagedorn and Jeff Schwartz, uh, do a ring of honor retrospective show. They cover a different event or different ring of honor star every week based off fan votes. Uh, Pat McNeil and Jim Valley are on way back playback. They do a one hour watch along every week. Same thing based off of uh, fan votes. And you got Husey, uh, you got Durbin, you got uh, Bang and Dang on Outlaws and Gunslingers, which has uh, been very successful. Hmm. So I, I kind of looked at it and went, let's see about this. We'll get something different on there. And uh, it's it's doing really well. It's doing really well. So I'm, gl I'm glad to see that. Um, let me see. No, that's it for now. Yeah, so we have some shows that are on hiatus. They'll be coming back, you know, hopefully someday. <laughs> Shane Helms was uh, another early, early show in the history of the network you know he he went back to wwe again after his furlough and doesn't really have time to record right now so i told him it's always there when you want to come back so you know one day maybe you'll be seeing shane again and you never know who else could possibly show up on creative control network never just know. Never, yep i did notice that you said that the business of the business or people are watching it and they're getting to know it and that the gunslingers are so great and this and that and my shows are just like, oh yeah we're on the network yeah they're here <laughs> Uh, Francine, yeah, I'm conversation. Some old guys uh, talking baseball. Uh, yeah, they're there too. <laughs> I think what happened was I plugged you right in the beginning. So then, as I went, the momentum built a little bit. You know, the salesman built a little bit. I, we start. We start with the bottom. We move to the top. But no, I appreciate everything. It's uh, it's great getting to uh, associate those shows with you. We uh, we really appreciate it. I know Francine's a, a huge fan. Appreciates everything that you do for us uh, behind the scenes. So uh, I can absolutely say that without a shadow of a doubt. If you want to follow me, it's at Chad EMB on Instagram and Twitter. The website for me, it's IBExclusives.com. I got all my autograph signing information on there. This website is TMPTEmpire.com for everything under the two-man power trip of wrestling umbrella, including the shows on the brand where you'll find me with my buddy there, JP, John Paz, my great good friend, <laughs> and uh, our buddy, the franchise, Shane Douglas, every single week, the Triple Threat Podcast. Make you want to throw up that three, get your franchise fill on the, uh, the Russo brand. Uh, and of course, in addition to Creative Control, patreon.com slash Francine Podcast for Eyes Up Here. Four episodes per week of God knows what. A hodgepodge of everything that you could possibly imagine. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's about all I got. So for these two dudes with attitudes, this is the Chadster. We will catch you on the flip side. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.